Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me, episode 7. I am your host, Tom Sutton. It's got to be said. May the 4th be with you. Yes, I wanted to definitely get an episode out for International Star Wars Day. Now, as as a punk slash heavy metal person... I am loath to ever do what is expected of me <laughs> or what I'm supposed to. So it kind of feels a bit ridiculous. Or, you know, like, uh, like I don't, I, I, on Christmas, I have to force myself to say Merry Christmas. I, I don't want to say it. You know what I mean? Happy New Year. I, it, like, it hurts me to say Happy New Year. I don't like doing what I'm supposed to do. But Star Wars is like my favorite thing in the world. So. It, you know, I have the two sides of me battling. On the one side, I don't want to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, then on the other side, it's Star Wars, man. So anyway, may the fourth be with all of you out there. Um, this is going to be a quick episode uh, just to celebrate that day. Uh, but of course, the biggest thing happening in the Star Wars world right now is the finale of The Clone Wars has dropped. So... Uh, we are going to get stuck into that in a little bit. But first, I want to just uh, do some Star Wars reflection on this most Star Warsy of all Star Warsy days. Um, it's quite nice that... So, uh, I don't know why, but um, in Sweden, the Rise of Skywalker Blu-ray... Uh, was set for release on May 4th. Um, I ordered it, and wouldn't you know it, it arrived today. On May 4th. Uh, that's pretty poetic. I like it. It almost makes it worth having to wait six, six weeks longer than uh, the US. <laughs> All right. But uh, so nice to have that film in my hot little hand finally. Um, other Star Wars thoughts going on. We mentioned the Clone Wars. Of course, a lot of people out there keeping up with Star Wars news will know that the first episode of the behind the scenes series of the uh, Mandalorian TV show comes out today. Uh, it's under the banner Star Wars, uh, Disney Gallery. Sorry. Um, that makes me think that uh, there's a lot else out there that's going to be getting the behind-the-scenes treatment. That is super nice to hear. Um, that's going to be fascinating. I have to say, like, I, I would say it's, it's, for me, it, it kind of started with the, the amazing Lord of the Rings box sets that came out. When that uh, film, those films came to home video, just the, the making of and making ofs and the documentaries behind those was so interesting and so kind of heartwarming in a way. I I love those, and I since then I've I've loved behind the scenes making of stuff, and um, really nice that you know it's something that you would have heard a lot of podcasters uh, kind of uh, asking for like. If you're going to have your own streaming service, why not uh, take advantage of that and pack as much content in there as you can? So it looks like they were way ahead of everyone and we've got a, a an eight-part making of series for The Mandalorian. Um, it's going to be real fun. It's... It, you know, because we love Star Wars so much, the people behind the shows and the movies and the books and the comics and everything else... 
are much more uh, they're much more interesting to us than it might be uh, you know when it comes to other media it's going to be really fun to see I, I believe there's a round table with all the directors uh, talking about their work uh, that's going to be super exciting I haven't had a ch- chance to take it take a look yet but that's really going to be really cool. Uh, another piece of fun Star Wars news came out just recently. Um, there has been some uh, casting announcements for the upcoming Cassian Andor TV series. Um, there's a couple of people I have never heard of. I can't remember their names right now. Um, but the two people that will be most interesting to most of us are uh, Stellan Skarsgård, you would say in English, I suppose, or Skorsgård, if you're Swedish, perhaps. Uh, yeah, he has been announced as being involved in the show. Um, that's that's great news. I mean, what a he's a fantastic actor. He's got um, he's got a real presence, and um, he's really fun to watch. Uh, so. That's going to be fun to see what he, what role he plays in the show. The other big news is Genevieve O'Reilly. Uh, people will know her, f- of course, from her portrayal of Mon Mothma in Rogue One. Uh, most of us will remember that she actually played Mon Mothma in Revenge of the Sith, but all her scenes were cut. And... Um, so you could only see her in the deleted scenes on the DVDs or Blu-rays. Um, sh- I mean, there have been some key recasts in the Star Wars universe. Obi-Wan Kenobi was, of course, the first big one. And bam, they hit that out of the park. Um, Ob- uh, Ewan McGregor was the absolute perfect choice, I think, from everything from his um, his personality and his style to just how his face is. Like, uh, you might have seen people have done this, you know, this kind of side-by-side comparison or this, like, um, they use this kind of triangular shape to kind of show, you know, the, the architecture of a person's face and they show how closely... Uh, Ewan's matchup with Sir Alec Guinness's face. That was fantastic. Other key ones would be, of course, uh, Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. Uh, fantastic. You know, um, I think looks-wise, not as close as the Obi-Wan recast, for example. But uh, I, I love his portrayal of the character. I think that was a big success. Um, but maybe even bigger a success from that film was... Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. I mean, all the charm, all the charisma, all the good looks. That was fantastic. And I put uh, Genevieve O'Reilly's Mon Mothma up there with all of those, actually. Um, It's almost freaky how perfectly she she fits that role. Uh, So it was was really exciting when she got to uh, return for that role in Rogue One and... Just she 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 killed it. She was fantastic, and really exciting that she's going to be back for the Cassian Andor series. I mean, <sighs> brothers and sisters, if you're listening to this, I'm I'm assuming you um you 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 at least see a little bit of Star Wars discussion on um, online on social media. 
it's not always a not always a pleasant experience. <laughs> you probably have noticed. Um, so when it comes to the Cassian Andor series, anything that ever gets you know anyone who ever brings it up or posts about it, you get this avalanche of people. What do we need that for? Nobody's asking for a Cassian Andor series. Um, I think that they are—they're not seeing what the, the the potential for this show. I think this show has huge potential, even if it is a lot like a small scale show uh, that really focuses on uh, Cassian and K two SO. I mean, that that enough would be interesting to me. I think, but we've already got Mon Mothma announced. This could really flesh out the rebellion itself in the, le- in the years uh, leading up to uh, the Battle of Yavin. This could be, a, you know, in a way telling the story of, uh, of how the rebellion was built, the major players of it. Uh, what steps did they take against the empire leading up to that, uh, that, that major event that we get to see in Rogue One and then the even more major event that we get to see in Episode 4? I think that um, the potential for that show is massive. Um, I mean, as I said, I like Cassian as a character. If it's a small-scale spy thriller with him at the center of it, I'm happy. But um, I think we could be in for a treat there. Uh, so I'm really happy to hear that Genevieve O'Reilly will be back as Mon Mothma. She is awesome, and it's a great character. All right, now... Um, what I would like to do now is I am actually going to go so uh, what, this, uh, this final arc of the Clone Wars uh, the Siege of Mandalore I have so far just watched the first two episodes they have been yeah, I mean it's it's top class Clone Wars I don't think the Clone Wars gets better than that so that's uh, that's great, and I have actually the the episodes three and four in that arc have come out in a short space of time, and um, so I've kind of saved those two. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down and rewatch the first two, and then watch episodes three and four. So it's uh, when you put the runtime of those together, it's about an hour and a half. It's almost a movie, so uh, it's going to be really fun. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch those four episodes. We're, I'm going to hit the pause button here. And uh, when we come back, I will have seen those four episodes. I'm going to give you my, uh, my raw, my, my, my hot, raw reaction to not only the, uh, the, uh, the culmination of that arc, but it's the... Uh, the it's the finale for the entire TV series, The Clone Wars. Pretty exciting. All right. See you in a moment. All right. We are back. Whew, oh, man. I don't know. I kind of don't even know where to start. Um, we've actually had a news break uh, while I've been watching the episodes regarding future Star Wars. Let's put that on hold. Let's do The Clone Wars first well i fantastic that's my review um 
it was cool to rewatch those two episodes and then go into the uh, two final episodes. Um, yeah, it, wow, it's like so dramatic, so um, action-packed, visually amazing. Um, you know, I, I, um, I'm not gonna get too spoilery here uh, in case you haven't seen it, uh, but um, there were some really fantastic moments there. Um, I have to say, like, uh, you know, as I've said before, there are prequel era designs and stuff that, uh, bother me. <laughs> like, it's mostly like battle droids, super battle droids, spider droid. I, I don't like any of those. And, um, they are in the first episode of this four episode arc. And then after that, it's all Maul, Ahsoka, Mandalorians, Jedi Knights, Clone Troopers, and um, yeah, it's it was fantastic. I uh, I got really caught up in it, which uh, you know I haven't all, always felt that way about the show, but they really they really went for it for this uh, final arc. I would say, um, yeah, especially the last two episodes are where it really really worked for me. You know, what was a big aspect of why it really worked for me is um, the music was really good. Um, if you are a fan of uh, Blade Runner 2049, I can say that uh, Kevin Kiner's work on the, especially the last two episodes, uh, it's really reminiscent of Hans Zimmer's 20, uh, Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack. A lot of... Um, that kind of like lonely dystopian um, retro keyboard sound. I love that. I think it really um, it really creates that the atmosphere that they're going with. Since it is kind of uh, knocking up against and blending in with Order sixty six, and we get a lot about Order sixty six. I mean, there are things that you must have wondered about. You know, since since Rex turns up later in Rebels and stuff, you must wonder how he uh, managed to get through. You know, to get through till then, it, it answers those questions. Um, it's uh, there's a there's a lot of really kind of beautiful, very sad moments that I really liked. Um, I would say in in the last episode. Does get a little bit into a lot of just you know running, fighting, running, fighting, running, fighting, but they, uh, they it's still it's good stuff. Um, a lot of very cinematic visuals, um, and the final sequence. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a sp spoiler alert here. Uh, if you don't want to hear about it, skip ahead about thirty seconds. Three, two, one. Wowie, wow, wow. Uh, Darth Vader in um, OT era with snowtroopers and classic stormtroopers visiting the site where that uh, where that Republic cruiser went down and where Ahsoka Tano threw away her lightsabers finding the lightsaber that was fantastic I loved it I, I really have to say 
again, you know, when I see that, you know, the, you know, all the the OT designs, uh, the color palette and everything is like classic Star Wars, and I just go like, oh, I just, I would love to see an animated series of this quality in that time period, you know, the time period that really means the most to me, or in the sequel trilogy era, which would be a banger as well. So, um, all right, spoiler alert off. Yep, so I give uh, give that a real big thumbs up. Um, I think that, you know, the, the Clone Wars, there are chunks of it that are pretty inessential, pretty missable. But if you put together a, um, a kind of a best of, <laughs> a best of list where you're... Um, all your favorite uh, parts are in there in chronological order then you're you're going to be in for a really good time and i think these these episodes really add to um the story of revenge of the sith and enhance it greatly fantastic all right now on to uh breaking news <sighs> so when i um i paused after the first episode to get some water or something, glanced at the phone. Turns out we've got, you know, a, a few people um, uh, predicted that this being Star Wars Day that we would get some, um, we would get an announcement or two. And this is a cracker, I must say. I'm going to read from the uh, from StarWars.com, the official Star Wars website. Here we go. Academy Award winner Taika Waititi, who recently won Best Adapted Screenplay for Jojo Rabbit and directed the, wildly the widely acclaimed first season finale episode of The Mandalorian on Disney+, will direct and co-write a new Star Wars feature film for theatrical release. Joining Waititi on the screenplay will be Academy Award nominee Christy wilson Cairns who uh, was involved with 1917 and Last Night in Soho, who received a BAFTA award for Outstanding British Film of the Year on the three-time Oscar-winning film 1917. Bam! That is awesome news. I think... Um, I mean, uh, you may remember that a big uh, rumor went around that Taika Waititi um, was... Um, uh, going to uh, was getting uh, hired by Lucasfilm to do at least a film, if not more. Um, he of course played down those rumors, um, as you have to. You know, you got to wait for the official word to come out before you can comment on that kind of stuff. Um, I think this is a fantastic choice. He's already in the Star Wars family, having uh, directed an episode of The Mandalorian and uh, voiced IG Eleven on the show. And what a great character that was. Um, his episode on The Mandalorian, it f yes, it featured some of his trademark humor, um, but it also, I think, I know like there are people who are a bit concerned that his humor is too much for Star Wars, that it's too ridiculous, too silly, um, that it won't fit the, uh, the tone of Star Wars, but I really think that if he just tones it down slightly, 
then he's going to be bam right in the stri- right in the sweet spot of where it should be. Uh, have you seen Jojo Rabbit? Um, I saw it uh, not long ago, and um, there's a lot of humor in it, but there's a lot of heart and uh, really strong characters, and um, I think that's a good uh, good sign of what of the you know the fact that he can have his trademark trademark sense of humor in something um but not have it override the other flavors i mean thor ragnarok also achieves this i would say ragnarok is um definitely further towards the ridiculous side than would be perfect for star wars but there i mean that to me that show, that film really shows that he can handle um he can handle big action stuff and he can handle, uh, you know, emotion and he can handle drama. You know, those lovely scenes of uh, Thor and Loki sitting down with Odin, looking out at the ocean, are fantastic. And the big action scenes in that film were very stylish. So, um, yeah, Taika Waititi is a huge talent and uh, a fantastic choice. No word on what the subject material of the film will be. No title, obviously. That's It's too early for that. Um, nice to hear that uh, Christy Wilson Cairns is involved. I'm not super familiar with her, but uh, 1917 was great. I thought... Um, you know, it's not a dialogue-heavy film, but the way that it's put together and the pacing of it, and I think it, it, it was a film that felt very... Um, like it knew what it was doing every step of the way. It didn't feel like... It felt like it had no extraneous stuff, no fat on the bone. It was... Um, like a very leanly crafted story, and um, she sounds like uh, the kind of uh, yeah a quality person to have working on this. Second piece of news here is uh, we talked about this on the last episode. It was uh, again, you know, a, a rumor that um, was going around certain news sites. You know, reputable news sites had uh, had already reported this. But um, yeah, Leslie Headland, the uh, the woman behind Russian Doll, is developing a new untitled Star Wars series for Disney Plus. Uh, she will write, executive produce, and serve as showrunner for the series. Mm. Yeah, I'm not going to re- repeat myself there. I think Russian Doll was a ten out of ten TV show. I loved it. Um, I think it's fantastic that she's on board as well. You know, like, it's funny with Star Wars. I think that the rarity over the first 30 years of its existence was... It it did contribute to um, the Star Wars experience in some way. You look at the original trilogy, three years between each film, and of course, that 16-year gap between episode six and episode one that, 
you know, for anyone who's um, of a similar generation to me, felt uh, I mean, that felt like forever. Um, it felt like a thousand years. And um, I think that the, the scarcity did contribute to the feeling that when Star Wars did come out, that it was hugely important and hugely special. Now, um, in the new era of Star Wars that uh, kicked off in 2015 with The Force Awakens, we've, of course, had you know almost as many theatrical films as existed previously within the space of, uh, you know, of, of five years. And um, not to mention TV shows and stuff like that. Now, does it, um, does it detract from the experience? I would say that my feeling after each um, Styles film that I've seen in the cinema has been, I love, I love this can I have more, please? <laughs> you know, like, I think it's nice, you know, to have these gaps that, you know, it kind of whets the appetite a bit. But um, I I could very easily take two, I think would be cool, two Star Wars films a year. Um, uh, if they were going to do one Star Wars film a year, that would be cool. It looks like we're, you know... Probably it's going to be one film every two years. Um, yeah, I, I have a big appetite for Star Wars. I can take a lot. As long as it's good, I'm, I'm up for it. Um, I would say that when it comes to TV series, Star Wars TV series, um, I think that the visual quality of Star Wars is heavily tied in with the budget. Although, you know, the original Star Wars movie was a moderately budgeted film and they pulled off the impossible somehow by making it one of the most visually exciting films that had ever been made up to that point and has ever been made even up to now. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm up for as much as they can throw at me. Um, I don't want to see live action Star Wars that's restricted restricted by uh, that's obviously restricted by budget. This is not a common opinion, but I feel like the Mandalorian was slightly affected by that in terms of how it sits um amongst other live action Star Wars. Uh so yeah, uh, let's see what happens. It's an exciting time. I'm really uh I'm pumped about all this news. I love it. All right, so uh, we are going to finish off with a chunk of the Rise of Skywalker. I I mentioned before that the, uh, the my Blu-ray arrived today. That's super fun. Um, I am gonna actually so f- today for International Star Wars Day. I am gonna watch. You know, now I've watched the four, those four episodes of The Clone Wars and I'm going to watch uh, The Force Awakens after I've had some dinner. And then uh, tomorrow will be The Last Jedi. And then Wednesday, it's me birthday, actually. And um, my amazing Star Wars friend, Amanda, and I are going to hang out and we're going to check on the Blu-ray of The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I saw it with her in the cinema. Uh, so I know that she's seen it once at least. But... Um, 
I'm not sure if she's seen it again since then. Uh, I know that, like a lot of us, I think she she liked it, but the, there were a few things that um, maybe were question marks in her mind or things that she didn't love super much. Will be interesting to see uh, now that you know if we sit down and watch it, what her thoughts will be. Um, all right, let's jump into our next scene in our scene by scene, uh, yeah, review or reaction to the Rise of Skywalker. So last time uh, we left off, it was Kylo Ren and his amazing board meeting with uh, the other members of uh, higher ups at uh, in the First Order. And uh, as we jump into the next scene, we see the Falcon coming out of hyperspace and coming in towards Pasana. Oh, I'm going to hit pause there right now. There's these, we mentioned before, very important in Star Wars to have your wacky little creatures in the foreground as you're uh, doing your establishing shots. It just adds to the Star Wars feeling. And these creatures... This is one of those, you know, things where you got to feel a little bit for the behind the scenes people. So the shot is, you see these uh, creatures, they look almost like um, little like Australian marsupials in a way. Um, And they watch the falcon as it goes past. Now, when you get a better look at them, you see that their entire face is made up of these kind of ears, these big ears, and their eyes are actually all the way back uh, in the ears. And um, uh, if you watch the uh, the making of, or the, the, the documentary that comes with the, the movie, um, the, the people who, who created these creatures and as they were shooting them, they were so proud of these designs, they really wanted to shoot them in a way that showed this really interesting design. And uh, when you watch the film, you see that you only see them from behind. You never even get to see this uh, (laughs) nice thing where their cute little beady eyes are actually nestled into their ear sockets. Uh, Yeah, sometimes there's a lot of effort that never ends up on the screen, but so it goes. (laughs) I love this bit, actually. You see, um, yep, the five of them come around this corner. This is prime C-3PO. He's busting out about the, the kites and the delectable sweets, and then all five of the rest of them just turn around and look at him like, C-3PO, shut up. All right, this Pasana Festival, when I saw it in um, trailers and stuff, I thought, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be cool, I guess. Uh, but I love it. I love the I love the uh, the the kind of you know the inhabitants of the planet and this festival. I love the colors. I love the movement. It's um, I love the dust in the air. It's fantastic. And I mean, oh, that line where like <laughs> everybody stay down. <laughs> Chewie has to duck down. It's that kind of goofy. Ah, oh, they. Okay, I gotta pause it. There's this amazing kangaroo. No, uh, sorry, koala horse. I don't know what else to call it. It's like uh, it's, it's a guy, almost like a donkey, but it has a face like a koala. It's awesome. But yeah, this is. I think this is a. 
Okay, I'm babbling a little bit. But this look you see on Ray's face, just to see her, like, just honestly, naturally, just enjoying something is super nice. You know, we've seen her go through a lot of hardship over the last uh, couple of movies. And just to see her, like, in having a good time is great. This scene with the baby Pasanans watching a um, a puppet show. See, this is this is part of the uh, the magic the magic Star Wars source that can easily get forgotten about. Um, just seeing the baby Pasanans is adorable. I love this, like the 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 puppet. The puppet show just looks really charming, like very handmade looking. I just think like the artistry in this film or behind this film is fantastic. All right, we've got this uh, scene where this um, young Pasanen called uh, Nambigima talks to Ray. It feels a little bit of an obvious setup for the like, oh, I, you know... My, you know, I don't have a family name. I'm just Ray. Yeah, feels like a bit of obvious script writing stuff going on there, but it's still cool. I love the that um, that little conversation that leads us into uh, this the first time in this film where we get the um, the Ray and Kylo Force connection. This is good stuff. I love. Um, you see, uh, at the festival, it basically everything turns to night. It goes from this uh, kind of joyous um, kind of uh, vibe to darkness and fireballs going on. I, th- I think, you know, visually, uh, people give uh, Ryan Johnson props for episode eight, as they should. But I think this film visually is awesome too. And that's juxtaposed against um, Kylo Ren in his extremely uncomfortable looking quarters where everything is surgical white and man i remember you know watching this in the cinema especially in imax and kylo with his helmet threaded with this red material against that white back background it's fantastic oh yeah this is a great setup for the rest of the film where Kylo's asking, you know, I, I offered you my hand. Why didn't you take it? That's good stuff. That sets up stuff later in the film very nicely. Ah, I just think, like, I got to tell you guys something. So, some years ago, I think it was, like, we had only had, like, The Force Awakens, maybe Rogue One at that point. I actually had a dream where I met Daisy Ridley and I said to Daisy Ridley, thank you for your contributions to Star Wars because um, as someone who, you know, felt like the prequels were not from me, uh, I had kind of accepted that I may never get another Star Wars movie that meant something to me, you know, in a really strong way. And um, yeah, in the dream, I, with tears in my eyes, I tell you, I said to Ray, uh, to Daisy Ridley, like, thank you, thank you for uh, your contributions to a film that is up there for me with the original trilogy. Anyway, we see her. She's, 
I think she's such a good actress. That line, I see through the cracks in your mask. That's good writing. I like that a lot. You're haunted, she says. You can't stop seeing what you did to your father. I think that's really important. I've I've seen a lot of like discussion about like this the incredible moment that you get later where Kylo Ren um, is faced with a memory of Han Solo, and it, I mean they actually say it explicitly in the conversation, so the people in the back can understand what's going on, and people are like, "Oh, is, is it is he a is it a force vision or is he a force ghost or is, is Leia creating, you know, bringing Han from the nether, blah, blah, blah. I think it's extremely obvious that um, Kylo Ren is haunted by what he did. And, you know, anytime you make a decision that you then second guess, you play that scenario over in your head again and again and again in a thousand different ways, th- wondering, how could I have done this better? How could I, did I make the right decision? Did I really screw this up? And I think that uh, she's right here. Kylo Ren, he did something that has traumatized him, himself, you know. And... um so I think that uh, she's she's uh, really picking up on that and she's right about that. But it's good to see Kylo Ren with that helmet back on. I think it, that was a, a good choice. There is a moment coming up right now which is one of my favorite little moments in the, in the film. We get this bam where um, Kylo Ren grabs that necklace o- off her um it's i just remember like every time i saw this in the cinema it it was a real like kind of a, a impactful almost shocking moment cuz the way he grabs is so vicious um i think that's it's really nicely done and a really cool way to you know they do a few things at once here they get they set up this kind of um situation that's going on between the two of them they set up um uh, you know where they're both headed, what where they've both been. You know, reminding you of of that stuff, and uh, also gives him the clue that allows him to then pursue them, and then um, yeah, that leads us to uh, Ray having to tell them, yeah, we got to get out of here, and Kylo Ren is gonna pursue them ah i just anytime i see these like this like footage of the um the corridors on these first order star destroyers i have a good time i just uh i think it's this blue bluish hue that they have in the in the in the um in those corridors is fantastic love it all right we're gonna leave it there and get back to that uh soon enough um it's been a super fun um may the 4th already i've got the force awakens waiting for me after i eat something i can't wait um you know all the internet noise that has come in the last five years 
does nothing to spoil my enjoyment of that film. I just think it's for J.J. Abrams to have um, taken on what must have been one of the weightiest jobs in the history of um, in the history of uh, Hollywood, really, you know. Um, and to have to create a film that's so full of um, just joy and lightness and fun, and it, you know, it it feels so energetic and f- kind of um, effortless. That to me is uh, quite an achievement. So that's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch the the sequel trilogy over the next three nights. Um, I will potentially be back with another episode this week since um, there's so much Star Wars good stuff going on. We will see. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. (laughs) 